there. All right. It's all about respect. All about respect for the ladies today. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com, and it's the vet, the best feminist horror, right? Are we doing yes. Are we doing fuzzy math again today? We are. We are. Top six, top five. That's right. That's all right. But when there's too much, you know, good to go around, mm-hmm. top six, top five is fine. And uh, speaking of that, last week we had uh, we had some great reaction, and actually some big time reaction from a uh, one of the big uh, movie producers. Yeah, Andrea right? Andrea Adams tweeted a, a thank you to us. Uh, she's one of the producers on the movie My. Amityville Horror. We did the the best horror documentaries last week, and and she thanked us for for drawing attention to a, an underseen and really really great movie. So you should uh, you should check that one out. Yeah, so we appreciate that. As always, the comments, the questions, the feedback is always welcome. We're at Mad Wolf on Twitter. That's M A D D W O L F. So that was a lot of fun. That was one uh, the best documentaries where it, once we got into it, we found there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I I think that we thought it was going to be a short episode, and we were wrong. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> oh, we don't need to pad this uh, no. pad this content, but. <laughs> uh, I don't think we will need to do that today either, and we want to welcome our special guest, our senior feminist correspondent. Welcome, Melissa Starker. Thank you for having me. We are very glad and very excited because you guys have put together, um, well, basically, have you two collaborate on this list, right? Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of feedback, very little. I was little. mostly bossy, as is the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly bossy in these, but I was but, open to feedback. But that was good. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, we passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. That's right. That's it. That's you know right. what? And that's a great way, great segue, nicely done to uh, talk about that. So That's why don't you right. hit that up? When, we were, uh, when I was uh, thinking about sort of the grand scheme of things, what were we going to talk about? How were we going to zero in on, on what, you know, was considered feminist? Because there are a lot of different sort of theories of what that means. And um, um, Alison Bechtel, in a, in a really funny comic strip years ago, 1985, Dykes to Watch Out For is named the comic strip. I love that. She I read it all the time. presented this idea <laughs> called the Bechtel Test, which is if for a film to be feminist, number one, the movie has to have at least two women in it. Number two, they have to talk to each other. Number three, they have to talk to, about, to each other about something other than men. So we applied that. If yeah. you didn't pass this, you didn't make the top And you know five, what? When you six. think about that, that's a, that's a simple test. But think about how many movies would fail it. Oh, most. Yeah. A, a ton. Yeah. yeah. So uh, very well done on that test there. And, and so all these pass that test, they correct? They do. They do. And then there were a couple other things where I was looking at this. And this, this I think the first one is going to um, upset a lot of the people who... We had a lot of great suggestions for this list. We did. And I want to just point out one thing, the number one thing that I eliminated out of this was rape revenge fantasies. I'm not saying they're necessarily bad. For example, the film Felt that's out right now is a very interesting movie. And there are a lot of these movies that I actually like. Um, I just wouldn't consider them on this list. Now, to be fair, there's a writer, uh, B.J. Colangelo. She's, uh, uh, she writes about horror films, uh, and she's actually out of Ohio. And she's a rape survivor. And she has written a really great essay on the benefits of the film, the 1978 original, I Spit on Your Grave. Um, as uh, an empowering feminist day of the woman kind of a movie. So I'm not having not been in that situation. I'm not going to try to discount these films across the board, but they, I, I did not, I'm going to take responsibility for it. I did not include any rape revenge fantasies in this list. Well, what, what's your take on that, Melissa? Um, I have to agree with that. Actually, I saw I spit on your grave at a very young age and I would say that it honestly, it, it, it did give me a greater awareness of sort of women's roles in traditional horror film. That said, I, I would not recommend that anybody else sit through that. No. Yeah. So I am right down, right there with you. There are, I mean, there are some good teeth. Teeth is, a, is a, an interesting movie to watch. It felt, as I said, American Mary, actually, I like very much a Canadian movie by the Soska sisters. Ms. 45 is pretty famous. I mean, they're not, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing them outright. I just, I did not consider them in this list is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. So then a couple of others. 
um, it, you know, I love the movie Jennifer's Body. A lot of people don't. Our friend Craig at Screen Relish. I know he hates Jennifer's Body. I love that movie. Craig, what's up? I know. <laughs> He's going to co-host next week, by the way. We do Best Brit Horror. We're very right. excited about that. But uh, it's, you know, it's too much about uh, sex, sexualization of, of the one character. So I kind of, if that was really the main, I, I, I didn't, I just counted those as well. And then the other, if the film is strictly uh, Battle of the Sexes, Men Against Women, Battle of the Sexes, I, I discounted those as well. So I wanted something that didn't have so much of an agenda. Just as it happens in this film, women have strong roles and, you know, and in a lot of cases, in one in particular, it rethinks a very traditional sense of womanhood. So I appreciated that. Actually, a couple of them are like that. But You're a tough customer I over am. there. There are actually a lot of horror movies with really strong female roles. There really are. Severance is is one. Of course, The Loved Ones, you know that I love The Loved yeah. Ones, is one. <laughs> We've heard um, that once or twice. <laughs> but it, typically, it seems like there are a lot of really strong uh, women characters in horror movies, but a lot of times that's tied to their sexuality in that they are the chaste, they are the innocent. Yeah. And that is how, you know, the whole last girl theory, yep. that's, that's how they... they survive in in a way and so that ain't necessarily great either no no now uh i don't because i don't know because i know melissa you've been uh, a film critic for a long time what do you have a website what is it um i have a tumblr once over twice dot tumblr dot com all right check it out but what what's your just overall feeling on horror movies in general are you a fan i am a fan i am a fan I, i i think there's something very cathartic about them in general and um there's uh it just sort of it's 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 one of the great examples with a good horror movie as with any great movie where you just totally get sucked in it's a completely immersive experience and obviously horror has for a long long time been a great genre through which to explore more important social themes and to just kind of slip them in there whether it's sexuality violence gender roles um disease politics politics mm-hmm. oh yeah so uh so i'm you know, it depends at this point in my, in my life. Gore has to have a really good reason, but yeah, I, I, I can't get enough. Okay. Of now you have you have a hand in in the uh, Shocker on the Clock, right? Columbus has a really great twenty four hour horror movie marathon once a year in October yeah. at the Drexel Theater. Theater Shocker on the Clock, and you've already always been involved in that, right? Um, I have tried to volunteer every year that I can. I've known uh, Bruce Bartu, one of the organizers, since I was sixteen, and I've known <laughs> Joe Neff, the other organizer, since I think he was seventeen. So uh, they are just amazing. Guys mm-hmm. who have incredible taste, and it's it's a really exciting event. If you're a horror fan, you should. Yeah, it's it's check a great event. If you're anywhere around Columbus or Central Ohio, check that out. Do we know the dates of the next one? No, but it'll be October, and October, we'll. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can have them on. Nice. Yeah. See? Yep. Always thinking. Always thinking. That's why I keep you around. Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That's not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> I'm already getting on the bad side of the co-host, the special guest. All right, I will. I will try to mind my mind my manners. Uh, any other setup before we get into the uh, top six, top five? I don't think so. Let's just jump in. This is, I think, this is one that you really were hoping would make the list. You love this yeah, movie. I, I love this movie. This might have been my best contribution to this so. list. And from 2005, it is The Descent. There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. Yeah, this is one we've talked about a few times with with good reason because it's 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 a monster movie. It's it's claustrophobic. It's freaky, but it's also all the all the people involved. Uh, the main characters are women. 
Yeah, so obviously they're talking to each other and they're not talking about men, no, honestly. They're not. They're not. <laughs> um, although there is, I mean, there's, you know, there's a love triangle involved. I mean, there's, yeah. and, and to a certain degree, you know, they all do get sort of drenched and, and they're not unattractive, none of these women. But I try not to hold that against it. This is Neil Marshall who also did Dog Soldiers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a very similar film to me. It's a group of human beings trying to battle against monsters and, and leave. And it just happens that it's, it's a bunch of women who went spelunking together, which I'm just going to say, don't do that. <laughs> That's just stupid. That's just a stupid plan. <laughs> Especially in an uncharted case. Right. Don't do it. Right. Which Juno. They don't find... That's Juno's fault. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which they don't find out till later. And then, <laughs> Juno. Well, and it's interesting because she, in a way, kind of follows into a traditional, you know, the cattiness factor that sometimes comes up when you've got a group of women in a film. And that, you know, it sort of brings up that soap opera aspect of there's that love triangle going on. But um, really, the resourcefulness and, uh, and intelligence wins out. I think so, too. And in a way, I mean, it's um, if you you know, it's it's very similar to a lot, a lot of films where you like the cave or there's a lot or like you'd expect it to be a bunch of green berets. And the one of them who's really headstrong and he thinks he's going to be the leader and he's really not as smart as he thinks he is. And that's that character. That's who Juno is. Totally. Yeah. And so, I mean, to to a great degree. I appreciate that he basically just he just took, you know, the blueprint for dog soldiers and and it just cast all women in it. Right. And and they can be flawed. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I think that that's a big I think that that's I that's what I look for is a, a, a female character who is highly flawed. Um, well, really, that helps all characters. It does. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it does. Plus, it helps that this movie is just scary as hell. It is scary. Oh, it's super scary. Edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will not like to be in the dark after it. No, plus, because it's super claustrophobic. Like, yeah. long before you ever see, and the woman's leg snaps, and you're like, oh my God, she's never going to get out because they're in this cave. And then it's like, <laughs> wait, I'm sorry, they're monsters as well? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I know they're going through that tiny, tiny little narrow cave That's, to get to, uh, and it's just like, yeah. There's, you know, something's going to be happening later on, but you don't care. You know what? Because all yeah, you right can now do is like, get is out of that tunnel, get, get out of that tunnel. Get, get, I think yeah. that I think that scene got me more than anything else because you know it gives you that little hint like she might get stuck there, right? And yeah. then I'm and the out. thing is, I'm out. you know, they don't know, but you know, nobody else has been there. Right. So you, it's like they're thinking, oh, other people have crawled through here, and you're like, no, they haven't. Right. No, they totally haven't. Yeah. You are screwed. But then when you find out, as, as makes sense, when you find out that the, you know, the monsters can't see and, and sometimes they crawl right over the, the women, yeah. you know, don't know they're there because yeah. they can't smell them or whatever. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of great sequences yeah. in that movie. And then, you know, you've got the, as we, as we found out, you've told that story before, you've got the two different endings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, okay, I get why, why the, the filmmakers do that. Yeah. But, uh, I gotta, I gotta admit, the, the American ending is the cheat ending. It's the mm. one that they made second. I much prefer it. I much prefer the really? cheat American ending. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because, as I've said before, I, I accidentally watched with my sister Julianne, who doesn't really like horror movies, and she lets me pick them out for I accidentally watched. I didn't realize I was watching the original ending. Oh. And she beat the shit out of me. She was so mad. So, Not I, so a happy I, ending. No. So I also, no. for that reason as well, I prefer the original the American ending. <laughs> and any quick thoughts I know on the sequel? I didn't care for it. Joy yeah. did, another sister, but I did not care for it. Did you see the I did the not see the sequel. Yeah, I, no, it's, it's not. You, as is so often the case, doesn't really hold up. No. But uh, so number six of our top five, top six, <laughs> uh, the descent from two thousand five. Moving on to number five, and this is one we, we've we've talked about. We're going to continue to talk about because we love it. From two thousand eleven, it's the woman. This is our project, 
and it's a secret. What are we gonna do with her? We're gonna help her. We're gonna train her, civilize her, free her from herself, from her baser instincts. Do you really think we should be doing this? Do we really get to keep her? We do. So I kind of almost wanted to do this 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 specific topic just again so I could talk about this movie because I, <laughs> I love this movie so much. And I wait quickly, you got to pick between this or the loved ones. What are you taking? I think this. I okay. think the woman. Yeah. Although it's a close race, I love the loved ones, but right. I love the just woman. Had to know. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Um, uh, I always get those filmmakers mixed up for some reason. Lucky McKee and the the guy who did the loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lucky McKee has kind of a preoccupation. He's got several movies that could possibly have made this list. Yeah. So, uh, All Cheerleaders Die, which I did not care for at all, but he clearly had a feminist a- attempt in that one. And then May, uh, yeah. which, which you know, I'm not sure it's entirely feminist, but I mean, I think that you could you could make that. It's a lovely movie. I love the movie. It's lovely. <laughs> I love the movie May. <laughs> but, it's empowering. It, yeah. But um, the woman uh, is so fascinating and completely rethinks gender roles you know and i think um you know actually it's very famously they showed at sundance and a man in the audience stood up and screamed at the filmmakers and screamed at pollyanna mcintosh who start who plays the woman uh, that it was just an unconscionable film to make and i think if you start off you think to yourself i'm watching horror porn because what they do this man uh played by played by sean bridgers he uh he catch captures a feral woman he chains her up in his shed and he wants to, quote, civilize her. And he invites his family to help him civilize her. And, and you know, you can think to yourself that you are watching the worst kind of misogynist film. But just one look at Pollyanna McIntosh and you're like, no, 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 no. They're in over their <laughs> oh, yeah. head. They're in over their head. Yeah. yeah and, and in a way, you talk about uh, gender roles. It also has fun with the family unit. Oh, yeah, I think, absolutely. And some dark comedy going on there, oh, which, yeah. which I love that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's saturated with gender role commentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you think about um, the son, He there's this uh, girl that he thinks slighted him on the playground, and he gets back at her. Yeah. And it's just a very subtle way, and it's like, this is what he's been taught. And mm-hmm. um, But it's, let's see, I feel like the first scene you are, the first scene you're seeing the woman, the feral woman, mm-hmm. and she is playing the traditional hunter-gatherer mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of established right from the beginning. Like you said, she is she is not what they're going to expect. No, no, <laughs> no. she's not. And so in a way, there's definitely a revenge element, but it's, right. I mean, it, but there's just so much else going on that it, it, it's, it can't be as simplistic as that. Well, that's the thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up. Because of that revenge, you, you talked before about discounting a certain type of revenge so why does this type of revenge work for you well you know i think it is it's more um it's more an alpha situation it's not so much that she's been raped and she's going to take vengeance so that she can sort of be whole again she simply is the alpha in this situation and at a certain point she is going to make that clear I don't think that because she was she is sexually abused in this movie and it's funny because when it's happening again you look at her face doesn't phase her right doesn't phase her right and eventually she bites off his his finger and then spits his ring back out at him, and then chews up his finger. It's like, oh, <laughs> nice, you know. And there's so much. I mean, there's just so much going on in, in this movie that uh, it would, I think, to me, it'd be too simplistic to consider it just a rape revenge fantasy. Jack Ketchum uh, wrote the screenplay, uh, who is a, a longtime, very famous um, horror writer, and um, he writes things you don't want to read, but 
he writes them so well, you can't help it. And that's, I think, really what is happening through a lot of this movie. You're just watching it going, I don't I don't want to see this. This is not something I want to see happen. On the other hand, it's so, so brilliantly put together that you can't look away. Right. But at the same time, it also comes it brings up the ideas of there are certain things that people don't want to see. Mm hmm. Uh, there's, you know, there's an exchange between obviously the battered and um, victimized wife mm-hmm. and a an acquaintance in a supermarket, and you know that her acquaintance knows something's going on, right. but she's not going to push it. Right, and it's there's that that level of banality in 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 what's going on in the family before the woman even comes in yes. to is just. Is terrifying. That's, that's as true. Terrifying that's a good point. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And you know, the, it is. It really, and it, 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 because of, there's so much happening with the woman in the shed, by the time you realize everything else that's going on here, it's pretty, it's really kind of a sucker punch. Although one of the yeah. things I find interesting is that the film holds the wife responsible for yeah. her own complicity in what's happening, which I don't think is very common in a film like this. I that's think in a true. film like this, usually you give her like the benefit of the doubt, and but this film is merciless with her. Um, and then, like you said, though, George, there's a lot of really dark humor. And I always there go back is, to the yeah. mm-hmm. cookie scene. There's a great cookie scene, and it's pretty underplayed, but you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what is this saying <laughs> right. about the fact that they're all eating little men, right. all the women yep, in the They're just biting the head right off. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's all that going on. And, yeah. and there's so many layers uh, and, and subtext to it that, that add up to it. And when you have somebody like that story you told about that guy standing up in the theater... Yeah. It's almost when somebody does that, you almost want to think, well, I'm onto something here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because, right. you know, that really is. It, it's the purpose of a horror film is not simply to entertain you. I mean, it's there to horrify you. That's what it's there for. And, and this one does it. Mm-hmm. And there are, are a few others uh, that we wanted to mention. And t- kind of in this in this area, the anti-hero that yeah. you wanted to bring up. Yeah. Uh, I think the original is The Bride of Frankenstein. It's the, the original female anti-hero that you really root for. And she's not the hero of the movie, but I know that you love that movie. Right. We well, can't love, not. I, I mean, you can't you can't not. It's it's one of the first examples of the sequel being as good or better right. than the original. I was going to say, there's a lot of uh, school of thought people that feel it's better than mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of in that. I mean, James Whale, amazing filmmaker. Yeah. But it's also one of your earliest examples of no means no. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. And... Um, <laughs> And she has this tiny little part in the film, but at the same time, she drives the entire plot and solidifies a conclusion of it. It's this it's it's such an empowering part of of the genre. And the fact that it was also, of course, uh, based on a Mary Shelley Mm -hmm. book, uh, you know, uh, woman writer entering a genre that women writers definitely did not enter into. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a real sucker for that film. Yeah, and another one uh, is an anti-hero, female anti-hero. Uh, Girl walks home alone at night from yes. last year. Oh, yes. so good. Movie was that? It was, so good. It was. It was. Oh my god! It was so much fun to watch. It was so like so stylish and beautiful. It was, it was like a Jim mm-hmm. Jarmusch film. It oh was. my god! I love oh, that yeah. movie. Not only great to look at, but but the the story was great. The music was great. The music mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we've talked about that a few times. That was just from last year. And no. well, that was on our list of one of the ten best of the year, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, we loved that one. Yeah, a uh, girl walks home alone. You know, what we forgot to mention too was your next, which um, um, a couple people tweeted at us, and they're going to be mad that it doesn't make the final list. But uh, but it's worth mentioning because there is uh, just it's a very feminist thread that runs through that film. Yeah, yeah. we were going to mention that when we talked about the descent, so we forgot. So, we did, but uh, yeah, that's one. You know, honestly. I've got to see again because I'm going to, I wasn't knocked out by it when I first saw it, but I've heard so many people hold that in pretty high regard yeah. that I kind of have to give it another chance, I know. I, guess. I need to watch it again. I, I like that one. Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. We really should give that one another chance. But, uh, and then also I know you love May. 
I do love May, which we talked about a little while ago. Same filmmaker, you know, and uh, um, uh, Angela Bettis, who also plays the wife in in The Woman. And it's just a beautiful movie. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty gory, pretty horrific. Very, very funny. And just what a, a magnificent character. And very Frankenstein-y, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Very. I like that word. Frankenstein-y. <laughs> uh, made from 2002. So those kind of all fall under the same uh, category as the woman. Yeah, kind of the anti-hero. anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And that's number five on our list. Moving on to number four from 2000. It's Ginger Snaps. All it takes is one night and one bite. Let's get out of here. <laughs> changing. How do you feel? Wicked. They're just being normal teenage girls. Well, I mean, this is a terrific film and it's, you know, Canadian film may not have been seen by a whole lot of people, but it definitely has been developing a cult following since it initially came out. I think it seems to have a strong fan base among young girls, mm-hmm. which is which is tremendous. But it's one of the things that's so interesting about it is that for a long time, the werewolf genre, which if you're not familiar, it's basically about a, a, a girl who's attacked by a werewolf right about the same time that she, quote unquote, becomes a woman. And the curse. Uh, get it? The curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, even, even I got that. You know, I caught that. So. <laughs> But uh, the genre has has definitely uh, been uh, connected with puberty, coming of age, all of these different impulses suddenly that you can't control, all of this hair growing places that you uh, didn't expect. <laughs> and I really, really love how this one turns it around and makes it a very strong feminist story. And um, it really um, centers on this tremendous relationship um, between these two sisters and actually what this is doing to that relationship. Just um, in the same way that, you know, if you've got a sister and a couple of years apart and she might get interested in boys more before you do. And that kind of separates you a little bit. It, it's that just writ like incredibly large and bloody. And it's like a lot of films, actually, when I was looking at this in that they can have strong feminist characters. They maybe don't necessarily have strong feminist outcomes, mm-hmm. mm. but I really think that the younger sister, Bridget, mm-hmm. um, she she is, you know, right up there in terms of, of horror movie heroines. Yeah. Emily Perkins. She yeah. was great. And then Catherine Isabel plays Ginger. And she also, since we'd mentioned um, American Mary earlier, she plays Mary in the movie American Mary. Oh, yeah. So she's, yeah. she, does, uh, she does a lot with feminist horror, actually. Nice. Yeah. And, and this is one where I actually really liked this, the sequels. I do too. One, yeah. There's one that's like goes back in time. Yeah, I love that, was that weird. one. Actually. And then there's another that sort of equates it all to um, uh, like addiction, like uh, drug addiction. Yeah, they, yeah. And and uh, that one, the drug addiction one, is a lot more um, Emily Perkins, the Bridget sister. Yeah. No, I haven't yeah. seen the sequels. Are they all done by the same filmmaker? They're not the same writer, which okay. I think is the big difference. Karen Walton wrote the original, and it's it's so full of. Um, just it's so in your face with its metaphors and it's actually really very funny it's a very funny film and Mimi Rogers plays the girl's mother and she's hilarious she's great she is the whole movie is really funny and it's kind of for me it's kind of like a a feminist version of Carrie 
You know, um, that's, you know, there's a lot of similarities. It's, you know, everything goes wrong on the first day of her period. And, you know, she's already an outcast, although there are some differences. And and one is that she has a sister, so it doesn't matter so much that she's an outcast. And then the other is that as opposed to being a clairvoyant, she's going to eat you. (laughs) But but this is better because PJ Souls is not in it. That's right. She's not in it. The other movie. I'm going to get more hate mail. Yeah. George hates. What's wrong with PJ Souls? I don't don't care for the PJ Souls. You know, he's not a Ramones fan, so he doesn't automatically come into it with that sort of love of her. Um, I'm sure she's a, a wonderful character in my life. <laughs> I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I'm sure she's a wonderful the person. The other one, um, I mean, it's not a feminist film, but I think it deserves a mention in this sort of high school category is The Craft. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's they're catty. They hate each other. They're bitchy. It's like every worst thing about a clique of females that you could. On the other hand, they're very strong characters. And, the, you know, aside from Skeet Ulrich, and who would not be preoccupied by Skeet Ulrich, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really all about just the females in the movie. And uh, yeah. and they turn on each other. And it's not, I wouldn't say, again, feminist outcomes. But I no. think that there's a, there's there's something there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, man, craft and mean girls. Yeah, that should be a double feature. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's uh, that's number four on our list from 2000 Ginger Snaps. And uh, moving on up in a big way, number three, classic from 1979, Alien. Final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew, Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo. Signing off. The one thing she doesn't mention in the sign-off is she should say Ripley badass. Oh yeah, when she <laughs> I think signed. that goes without saying. It really does, and we've talked about that before, and and such with such good reason because uh, not only is this a great movie, uh, regardless, but she is a total badass she and, is. And, yep. and the hero. And you know, you think that she has has killed it for good at the end. Of course, in the sequels, find out she doesn't. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that uh, it's a fantastic role, and she just knocks it out of the park. Yep. And none of them, none of it would have happened if they had just listened to her. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right from the very beginning. Right There's a quarantine the for beginning. a reason. Yep. 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 And she she's trying to follow protocol, but uh, of course you find out because, you know, the the uh, order is to bring it home. But, but that's absolutely right. And uh, she has to, she wanted to finish it early, but she has to finish it late. Right. Yep. And famously, it was not originally written as a female character. Um, so that was probably one of the most ingenious things that Ridley Scott ever did. And, you know, it also uh, completely altered the concept of the last girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's just she's, she in, she's just the survivor is yeah. what she is. Yeah. And she gets smarter with each with each new film. Mm-hmm. She learns from her experiences. So just just out of curiosity, how do you two? I mean, and I agree with all of that. But, you know, late in the film, they do find a way to get her. In, in her underwear. In her underwear. Yeah. So is that, that's got to be, what do you think about that? I feel like y- you don't, it's never really stated out front. Clearly, you know, they wanted to throw a little skin to the audience. Mm-hmm. And okay, fine. But um, that there is something of her titillating, it's, 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 it's sort of distracting the stalker in a way. Um, that obviously H.R. Geiger's design was... Uh, 
very phallic. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. could you could sort of extrapolate that, and that she, you know, was was basically trying to titillate him to buy herself some time. Yeah, or it. I should. That's say. A, and I'm, believe me, I'm not in any way suggesting that takes away from the power of of, of the character at all, but. It's almost like you have to, like you just said, you got to give them something, give them a little skin. Right. But, uh, but that's a good, that's a good point, though. Well, that and you know, sexuality is not something that should be ignored. It's like it's 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 okay that a woman, you know, seeing an opportunity, especially in a situation in which her life is involved, that she has to use everything at her disposal. You know, there's there's too much uh, bitch macking of women for for being sexual. In, uh, in horror movies, and that's definitely not the case there. I also think, and I think they explore it more in the second film, but there is something very gender-specific about this movie with the eggs, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, oh, yeah. the egg image right there. Very, and, yeah. then, right. and, of course, yeah. in the second movie, the, it's a queen, and it's a, it, you know, it's a... It's, and then she, so it's a woman-on-woman yeah, cat fight, basically. And she takes on the mother role with Yeah, with and that's Newt actually why, one. for me, th- th- although I love Aliens, it's a great movie, it's a great action movie. I wouldn't be on this list because it's not a horror movie, but it's a great action right. movie, but it's a much less feminist film as far as I'm concerned because... It excuses her badass behavior because of a maternal instinct, which I think there are a lot of movies that do. You're much more comfortable with it. Like, oh, okay. Same with like Dolores Claiborne, which is a great movie. And Kathy Bates, magnificent as always. But she's behaving as she's behaving to protect her young, which is acceptable, you know? Ripley, Ellen Ripley in the first film, she simply is just the smartest, strongest, badass in the crew. And that's why she's the survivor, which I think is a little harder for people to just accept. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that you think from from a think about that the movie came out in 1979 so harder from a general audience yeah. to just not even think about it and just accept it right and yeah. it was you know and it was a, an incredibly fresh and novel idea as was almost everything happening here but also on the other hand really wise of Ridley Scott because it wasn't set in 1979 it was set far far to the future and he right. probably just thought no a couple of these crewmen would be women you know yeah. they just yeah. would be yeah and and in doing so just created one of the greatest characters oh, yeah. uh, in in film and we've oh, yeah. mentioned that a few mm-hmm. times oh, yeah. yeah my favorite action hero of, in any movie ever awesome yep from number uh, number 3 is alien from 79 and number 2 one another one from just last year that we've talked about uh, on a few occasions and it's the babadook you can't get rid of the babadook Speaking of the whole maternal instinct mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that there, there's just there's so many things to love about this movie and the way that the the main character played by Essie Davis, uh, Amelia, is handled. And one of the things is it gives her license to have a hard time being a parent. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, of course, that comes up a lot in, in all kinds of movies, but usually it's handled very jokingly that really, you know, it, what it comes down to is that. That, you know, you always got a deal and you see just how hard it is for her to be a parent of a very rambunctious, if not uh, mentally disturbed young boy. And as it goes along, you kind of understand why he is mentally yeah. disturbed. Oh, totally. You know, right. I mean, it's the, the film is so beautifully written so that and, and I think brings the audience into her perspective right away, because I don't know anybody who saw the movie who didn't say inside of five minutes, I want to kill that kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I right. did. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And that's important. It's really important yes. that Deborah yeah. Kent, writer-director, was able to do that because it's very uncommon to 
in a horror film in particular, either the mother especially is all good or is she's the villain if she's not a good mother. Mm-hmm. So if you said, I love the movie Inside, I love the movie Inside, but you get the feeling the entire movie is paying this one back for the fact that she doesn't want to have this baby. Right. Um, and 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 so I like that in this film they embrace they're very compassionate toward the fact that she's having a really hard time being a good parent. And another great thing about it is it's it's okay. In fact, it's healthy for her to be sexual. Right. Um, that you know that is and and the fact that that's not a part of her life that that um, it was sort of ripped from her um, so cruelly when she you know the film starts with her having a car accident with her husband who passes away. Excuse me. As, as she's going to the hospital in labor with her son, that missing that and not having that is part of what exacerbates the situation right. that they find themselves in later with this with this creature this strange creature but yeah it's there's it's such an amazing character it is and yeah. you know and Noah Wiseman needs to get credit as well oh, yeah, boy. He was God, great. He's great. he was great and and like you said it, the fact that you 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 cannot stand that kid for uh, a little while for a little while works yeah. totally when when the story gets going you mm-hmm. realize what's going on it's 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 fantastic uh, and I know every time we talk about this, I, I throw out, if you haven't seen the short called The Monster that it, it started with, please do that. It's on YouTube, and it's a lot more It's a lot more direct. It's not as good. It's a lot more direct about what she's trying to say. But if you, if you like this movie, it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, the subtext in this movie really threatens to break through the whole time, but it doesn't really diminish the overall effect. It's a super creepy movie. It is. It's a super, mm-hmm. oh, super yeah. creepy oh, yeah. movie. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there are so many characters that try to portray her as the victim. Mm-hmm. It's like you, the from you know school officials, her sister, everyone is yeah. you know, and she refuse the character just will not fit into that mold. Right. All right, we've got to number one. Not only on top of this list, but the top of Hope's all time <laughs> list of films, and it's from 1991, The Silence of the Lambs. You're very frank, Larry. I think it would be quite something to know you in private life. Quid pro quo, Doctor. But tell me about Miss West Virginia. Was she a large girl? Yes. Big through the hips? Romy? They all were. What else? She had an object deliberately inserted into her throat. Now. Is it a butterfly? Yes. A moth. Just like the one we found in Benjamin Raspail's head an hour ago. Why does he place them there, Doctor? The significance of the moth is change. Our belly wants to change, too. That's a really great, I think, clip to start with, because I think that's where uh, Jonathan Demme best establishes what he's doing with the character of Cleary Starling, which is setting her up as... Uh, first of all, the protagonist, and second of all, the equal. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do what generally happens is you shoot the villain up, they look uglier, they look more menacing, you shoot the victim down, they look delicate, they look prettier. These two are not only shot identically, but also their reflection is in the yeah. window, yeah. so you see so them good. side by side. Yeah. Yep. You know, she's not a victim in any way. She's and, and the thing is, they don't sexualize her character. She's not, she's just she's just an FBI agent, and she's in there, and of course it's also Jodie Foster, which doesn't hurt. Right. Um, and, well, not only do do they not sexualize her character when when uh, the the guy in the cell next to ha- uh, Hannibal sexualizes her? What does he do to her? What does he do to him? Makes That's him right. eat his own Swallow tongue. His own tongue. Yeah. And the doctor, the doctor the is doctor. the only one, who, other one mm-hmm. who tries to sexualize her, and he is uh, immediately villainized and worse later. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, that's that's so. We've we've brought up this movie before in in a way that you can just dissect it 
on how Jonathan Demme framed, like you just mentioned, yeah. how yeah. he frames things and how everything has a has a reason and a means to an end. You know, yeah. and even though uh, Buffalo Bill, right, the uh, the guy that they're seeking, he does victimize women. The the one victim that we get to know, uh, she's not content to just be victimized. You know, she's down there. She's plotting. She's going to, you know, precious. She's going to get that dog. You know what I mean? And yeah. I appreciate that. It's like, and then also when, when the FBI shows up, she's not just like, okay, I'm going to wait here for you. She's like, get back here. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of this shit now. Yeah. Right. Um, and I appreciate that as well. She doesn't just do what she ought to be doing. She's just like fighting. No, this is, I'm in a, I'm in a well right now. I'm getting out of this shit. So yeah. it's, it's, um, all the way around. I mean, just everything about it. It's it's uh, the female characters are smart. They uh, you know they work things out. And it's not to say that the male characters are not smart. It's just that it's it's just it's just a very refreshing approach. And and I love that the point of view character the entire way through the point of view character who the entire audience is meant to to, to be following and and thinking through is uh, Clarice Starling. And I love how they call out the traditional roles that usually fall into place in a couple of scenes, yes. like when with Scott Glenn and yes. let's talk about this someplace separate. Yeah, that's and she George's calls, favorite. She calls him on it. And then the whole go on now, go on now, where she basically commands a room full of of law enforcement officers who do not want to listen to her to have yep. respect yes. for the body on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is so true. Yeah. Even though she's you know, she's um timid because she's new in her job she still calls him out in yeah. that in that car and he and he at least says you know point taken or whatever but uh, yeah that's that's a good one uh and yeah and those down-home sheriffs don't want to take any orders from a woman that's for yeah. sure yeah and it's 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 just it's such a good movie in 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 all all ways yeah, not only as, as a horror movie but uh and i know people you know got I, I guess some people got upset when it won all those oscars as a horror movie but it deserves it yeah right yeah, it was brilliantly done. I mean, and it, and it's it's really tribute uh, a tribute to Jonathan Demme that he was able to make a film like this about a man who eats human flesh, helping you track down a man who wears human flesh and turn <laughs> right. it into an Oscar magnet. But yeah. um, the performances obviously were a big part of it. It's also very you know muted colors and understated score, and I mean just the entire it was just it's just an impeccably made movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I think a little bit sometimes about Manhunter Hunter when mm-hmm. I think about yeah. that, just because. That's so masculine. Yeah, it's so very masculine. Oh, it is, and uh, very Michael Mann. Very, yeah, very Michael very Mann. Miami but, Vice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this just has a. Com- Jonathan Demi is not threatened. No. He, yeah. Nope. Nope. Well, that that's one of the films that you, when you talk about, I want to give examples of uh, the type of influence a director has on where a movie goes and how it how it comes out. This is a good one uh, to uh, to bring up, and I, there's a few different ones we brought it before, like. Um, uh, American Psycho. Mm-hmm. We talk about mm-hmm. just those types of choices that these directors make that take it in a completely new direction. Uh, because when you watch Manhunter and then you watch this, and oh, those are different, different oh approaches my, yes. for sure. So number one on our top six, top five of feminist horror movies, The Silence of the Lambs from 1991. That's a good list. Yeah. 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 Thanks to uh, senior feminist correspondent Melissa Starker for joining us. And once again, your Tumblr... <laughs> Uh, it's uh, the once over twice. So once over twice dot tumblr dot com. I'm not. You know what? I'm not familiar with the Tumblr, mm. uh, but we got to check that out. <laughs> I like the Tumblr. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just not. I'm le- learning about these things because <laughs> Hope handles handles our Twitter at MadWolf. Uh, <laughs> I was like, now I'm going to have to post this on my my Tumblr. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I handle the the Facebook, which is MadWolfColumbus. So we're 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 branching out, but. Right. Uh, 
But yeah, so uh, please hit that up. And uh, we've got next week, we're looking forward to Craig, our British friend. From ScreenRelish.com, if you're not familiar, uh, George and I both also write for ScreenRelish.com, which is based in London. And so Craig Hunter, who is a writer and he's the editor and he's the boss, he's basically our boss. And he is going to join us next week while we count down the best British horror. And we're very excited. And George is going to don a really bad British accent. Is that correct? I promise promise not to do that. (laughs) You guys are global. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and then we've got more in the pipeline. We continue to get great uh, comments, great recommendations for future podcasts, and we love that. Mm -hmm. So uh, keep those coming. And if there's anything you think we missed here, you think we're off base, um, let us know, and we'll tell you why you're wrong. No. (laughs) No. No. We love love to keep that conversation going, as always, uh, at Mad Wolf on Twitter. Uh, Also at GoldenSpiralMedia.com, the lovely people who who host our podcast. You can can contact us there as well. Yeah, you can always leave a message, too, Mm -hmm. uh, to to keep it rolling. So this was a good one. A good list of the top feminist horror. And not only because it's it's good content, but I think... I don't think a lot of people talk about this. No, really. no. it's weird. We're blazing trails <laughs> here at the Fright Club podcast. So we look forward to that. Thank you again to uh, Melissa Starker. And uh, until next week, stay frightful, my friends. <laughs>